0: On another exciting episode of the Animation Deliberation Podcast, we continue our coverage of Invincible Season 2 as we talk about Episode 2. In about six hours, I lose my virginity to a fish. Right after these ads, we have no control over.
1: Sing along if you know the words. One, two, three, it's time for Animation Deliberation! A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah!
0: Yeah, welcome back to another episode of Animation Deliberation, the podcast where we take action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. We're your hosts, I'm Zara Lee.
1: And my name's Jay Scotty St. Clair.
0: And for some reason I have to hit the riff on an air guitar, even though nobody can see me doing it, and there's no music to this theme song. But I just want you guys to know like what really happens when we're jamming yeah. out in the background of
1: this. <laughs> to quote James Cameron's <laughs> avatar, I see you.
0: Yay. <laughs> 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 we're just not gonna intertwine ponytails or anything <laughs> no we won't be doing that <laughs> my hair's not <laughs> that long yet
1: <laughs>
0: nor is mine Working nor is workers. mine
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh good times good times
0: all right bud right. we're two episodes into this um yeah. last week we were talking about how the how the first episode like we were above well not necessarily blown away like we were with the first episode of the first season but we were enjoying the content. Are we on that wavelength? Are we higher? Are we lower? How are you feeling with the second episode?
1: I think the episode is kind of on par for me, but I have I – I, I'm trying to figure out the right way to say this because coming off of last week, it's not to say that there was any negativity. Like you said, I was whelmed, um, trending positive, and I think this week very much felt like a – kind of setting up the blocks for what we're going to see further down the season, but it still continued to trend in the positive direction for me. I thought this was, you know, without getting too spoilery in terms of what we've seen of the invincible world and universe, I thought this was one of the best like world building in terms of showing us, um, you know, all of the powers and uh like sources of powers on display here be they magical be they mythical be they extraterrestrial just really like giving us an idea of what the world of invisible looks like um so in that regard i i really appreciated the episode and i like i said i thought it was uh, trending positively and i felt um good trajectory in terms of the character development and motivations as well as some of the seeds that were planted Um, for the for the rest of the season. That being said, I I can see how like, you know, we had to jump around to so many different characters, it never really felt like we had to spend all that much time with one particular character and the episode might have suffered for that. But that's that's really a nitpick. So that's kind of where I'm coming from.
0: All right. I'm glad you mentioned both of those things. It's one I didn't think about and one I share the same thoughts as where at one point, I was like, man, all the sub stories going on right now, like, sure, it 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 made me a little dizzy, because like I, like I said, off air, like, I was just really tired while I was watching this. So it's like trying to keep my eyes open and pay attention to who I'm at and what they're talking about and trying to put the pieces together. Uh, I definitely needed that recap.
1: <laughs> sure. But
0: I didn't think about it in the way that. So last season, when we were going through these episodes, they were kind of episodic but they did enough with omni-man's story to give us something to follow if that makes sense it does and you wonder like why we had to deal with not in a bad way but just just out of observation like why did we have to do a whole Mars thing? Why did we have to do something with this species? Why did we have to do something with this entity? So when you bring that up, I guess it is nice that they like planted all those seeds in season one. And now they get to like re like re engage sure. with those things this season, instead of having to keep doing episode of things like they, I guess it didn't click to me, like how much they covered in season one that we get to play with more sure. now. Which I appreciate them doing that as opposed to just adding more things to try and keep up with. It's like Star Wars, right? Like you have some really cool, well-made planets. But like, Mm -hmm. why do we need 20 more that look and sound exactly the same? It's like, why can't we just go back and forth with Tatooine? Like, why do we need Jakku too, right? So I like that they're, you know, giving us things to be able to refer and like consistently bring back.
1: I hear you. I hear you. And I'm like resisting the urge to go into a Star Wars (laughs) discussion and debate here. But in terms of Jakku, it's like I that one I'll give a pass to just because we've gone to Tatooine like so many times. It's like it stands to reason there would be at least one other, you know, desert planet out there. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, I guess, again, while this is our non-spoiler section, I will say I agree with you. It was nice to revisit some of the threads from season one. Um, you know, we're only two episodes into the season and I, so, you know, judgment is still being withheld, but mm-hmm. I, two episodes in there are a couple of like, you know, personal favorites from me from season one that I'm like, you know, I, I hope that we at least get to follow up with them if, if not for just like an episode or an episode or two, but uh, I'll talk sure. about who they are specifically when we get to the spoiler section.
0: So. All right. And to lead up to that, you know, there was a lot of Atlanians in this episode. I will mention that. And they don't sure. have to worry about being as hydrated as we do because they live underwater. So mm. um, since we don't have that luxury of always having water around us and keeping ourselves nice and cool and nice and hydrated, we got to rely on some other things because water alone just doesn't cut it. So we like to go to liquid IV mm. and with liquid IV, one stick of it and 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. The result of an extensive R&D process to perfect the flavor and efficacy, Liquid IV combines science-backed zero-sugar technology with the brand's commitment to delicious real flavor. No artificial sweeteners and zero sugar, with the proprietary amino acid allulose blend for a sweet taste without the calories or raised blood glucose levels you get from sugar. Contains eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, with three times the electrolytes of leading sports drinks. Unrelated, you know how people have been taking, um, like it's kind of the craze to be taking like creatine with their workouts yeah but it tastes like chalk right i actually really like mixing it in with liquid ivy because like it adds a little bit like uh, like the creatine adds a little bit of thickness but you don't worry about the chalk flavor at all Okay, so it's like mix it in with that actually get hydrated and you can tolerate the creatine a lot better so just a little fun fact for you guys if you guys want to give that a try when you go to the gym
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. And another fun fact for our listeners out there uh, I stumbled op- upon this completely by accident, but it's also worth mentioning if you are a fan of Liquid IV and you also happen to use the shop app or website, um, if you have shop cash in your account, you can actually use that towards a Liquid IV purchase. And I don't have the exact figure in front of me, but they will actually increase. The amount of your shop cash towards your Liquid IV. They, uh, Liquid IV is a partner oh, cool. with shop. So yeah, you know they're, they're partners with us. They're partners with shop. Um, they're doing a lot of good things. And amongst the many good things that they are doing, they are also non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Liquid IV... Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. they partner with leading organizations to fund and foster innovative solutions that help communities protect both their water and their futures and to date Liquid IV has donated over 39 millions 39 million servings in more than 50 countries around the around the world not Atlantis so because
0: they talk so much of it to themselves.
1: That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So if you want to get your 20% off, get 20% off when you grab liquid IV, hydration multiplier, sugar-free, or any other variant – at liquidiv.com, and use code STAYWHELMED at checkout. And just got to throw this out there, you know, with Loki Season 2 having wrapped. Uh, <laughs> the use of right variant away. there is not, is it, you know, we're not co-opting that from Loki. It's just a happy coincidence, but I have to <laughs> highlight it. So one more time, that's 20% off anything when you order, or excuse me, 20% off anything when you, 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration Today using ProCo. Promo code STAYWHELMED, that's S-T-A-Y-W-H-E-L-M-E-D, at liquidiv.com.
0: A lot of buildup for that code. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> got to build the anticipation.
0: I really want to hear your thoughts on Loki after we're done with this.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: you see the Marvels yet?
1: I've seen it twice. Go
0: to the theaters, people. That's all I'll say.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The oh, well. deserves Maybe uh, once we get to the end of our invincible thoughts, if you stick around to the very end listeners, maybe we'll do just the tiniest of the Marvel's reactions because without spoiling anything, it's justified. It's justified.
0: And if you (laughs) haven't seen it and you're planning on seeing it, there's one mid credit scene. So you don't have to stay to the very end.
1: Good call. Good call. That's literally always
0: my Facebook status. Like I'll watch a Marvel movie and I'll just post one end credit scene or one mid credit scene it's like that's all i'll say so you guys know Do i've it. seen it if anybody wants to hit me up but here's intel for the people who haven't because i always go for those thursday nights
1: yeah, that's a good strategy you, you know you're helping people out spreading the word and also not spoiling
0: someone messages me because i need to talk about it <laughs> <laughs>
1: Had I All seen right. that, I would have. Uh, but yeah, speaking of talking about it, speaking of anticipation, speaking of spoilers, let's get into it. We're talking about Invincible Season 2, Episode 2. In about six hours, I lose my virginity to a fish. Didn't know I was ever going to utter those words in my lifetime, but here we are. So
0: <laughs> I did not look at the title name until I opened up Notion. I was like, that could not have been the name. <laughs> Uh, and, yet, and yet it I was. To read it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, that's fair. That's fair because uh believe it or not that title is spoilery. A little bit. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, with that said, let's go ahead and knock out the synopsis here and we'll get all into our thoughts and reactions. So, while graduating, Mark defeats Doc Seismic and his magmonites. Over the summer, tension grows between he and Debbie after she realizes he is only continuing his work as Invincible and working for Cecil. To avoid Nolan's legacy. She confronts Cecil, during which she learns Donald Ferguson is alive and later has a breakdown over continuous reminders of Nolan. After rebuilding an apartment, Eve argues with her father, believing he cannot accept that she can help others with her powers. However, the apartment collapses due to being built on unstable ground, though casualties were sustained. The Stowaway Martian, who had taken the place of astronaut Rust Livingston, becomes inspired by original Guardian member Martian Man to become the superhero Shapesmith and join the current Guardians.
0: After encountering and defeating Darkwing 2, Cecil assigns Mark to appease the Atlanteans for original Guardian member Aquarius' death. Amidst a trial by combat, Mark battles a kaiju, but is injured by its roar. Nonetheless, he saves the Atlanteans from it against Cecil's orders angstrom travels to an alternate earth where mark was camped by the gda to gain information on how to defeat his own if you guys have his seen, own mark yeah if you guys haven't seen the adam eve special that they made earlier this year because a lot of people didn't know that it came out like you got to definitely make the time to watch that because it was it was really good it was great it was. story. it was kind of a heartbreaking story as well and a lot of the weight from that really does affect how she's kind of going about her days in season two.
1: Yeah. Eve didn't get the most screen time in this episode, but kind of coming off of what I said last week with the uh, the first episode and the Adam Eve special to your point. Yeah, definitely go out and watch that. Um, this one had some connectivity with the lizard league, but I want to focus on Adam Eve. She like I said uh, last week, even though the show is called Invincible, I think she continues to be my my favorite character and just like mm-hmm. the journey that she's on and the struggle that she's facing and the fact that she has this, you know, crazy power set and she she's making this decision like, I'm not going to punch people in the face. I'm going to help people. And even having those altruistic motivations, like she still is just, you know, uh, hampered on all sides, be it by her parents or... Or be it by the red tape, which, you know, I have to say that scene was super effective because uh, when she was at Chicago, like helping with the building, constructed that corner of the building. And then the, the you know, the contractor said, like, how do I know that's up to code? I was on the contractor side initially. I was like, oh, that's actually a great point. How do you know that's up to code? And then the, you know, the bystander stepped in and said, hey, like if the bureaucrats had their way, we'd be in, you know, we'd be living in shelters for days on end here but to have that all come full circle and see like there was a reason the red tape was there and there's a reason you don't overstep that red tape was like you know incredibly heartbreaking uh and you know just really helped to ground the show which can be incredibly fantastical all right so that i i that
0: was what i didn't understand what he was referring to because i guess i didn't know that they were because when he's at chicago i thought they were talking about the omni-man incident Sure. And I was yeah, I remember like where she was there. So, I didn't mm. realize that like this was a result of what we literally just saw. So, the building that she fixed like ended up collapsing like while oh, the family yeah.
1: was there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the oh, the, okay. the very the very woman that's like stepped out from the crowd to defend her was the woman that was pictured on the screen as having passed away as the result of the collapse. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it was her and her daughter. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. Um, and I don't know if there's like a natural segue for this, but you mentioned like that part of the episode, confusing you a little bit. One part of the episode that like, I don't know if confused is the right word for me, but I'm like, after reading the synopsis, I like wonder if my interpretation is kind of off or what, but we have this character of Russ voiced by Ben Schwartz. And I already love him. I, I, 100% 100% love him. Like Ben Schwartz coming off of the guest role that he had on Bad Batch season two, he's just really, you know, making a name for himself in the world of voice acting. And I, I love this character and uh, the comic relief he provided. But the synopsis says that he is just a Martian um, that, you know, is inspired by the Martian man before him and wants to be a superhero. But my takeaway with those flashbacks, like seeing the Martians make their last stand against the Sequids and everything like that. My interpretation was that he is actually a sequid that has like co-opted the physical attributes of a Martian so he is a sequid who believes he's a Martian who wants to be a human who wants to be a superhero and maybe it's way too early in the season for me to be making those interpretations but that was no, my that's, takeaway.
0: That's what I got too cuz like okay. I, said, I mean first I was like kind of sleepy so when it was when it was him watching the TV uh-huh. I thought it was the the hero it was martian man and he was just watching how people thought of him but then like later when it was the whole like initiation thing and they kept cutting back to i keep wanting to call him the starro fish because if if everything's based off something like that's definitely starro right sure yeah 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 no doubt um yeah the way that they kept cutting back and forth i i matched exactly what you said about like it's it's a it's a fish over a martian that's shape-shifting into a person to be like in the league
1: yeah okay all right so that makes me feel better that i wasn't just like yeah, wildly off good. base in my interpretation okay i was like maybe i just like read too much into that but that okay that's great.
0: much better than me just thinking all martians look the same <laughs> okay <laughs> fair
1: enough <laughs> uh I, You know, just to transition to another part of the episode, I have to say I think um, as much as like Adam Eve is still my favorite character at this point and I really liked her scenes, I think my favorite part of the episode like far and away was Invincible's interaction with Darkwing's apprentice or his protege Mm -hmm. or his sidekick. Don't call him a sidekick. He doesn't like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, as a Young Justice fans, that was definitely something that, was really cool because that that was that was basically like a superboy Superboy nightwing conversation right
1: yeah yeah definitely yeah
0: that's that's definitely the vibe that i got when i was watching it just the the parallels and the intensity and the perspectives and stuff it was it was cool to see and darwin was one of those characters like obviously he's supposed to be like a version of batman in this oh yeah but i i liked the way that he was portrayed and just super bummed that we didn't get to see more of him after the first episode so i like that there is sure. a a protege that we get to see kind of enhance what we didn't get from the original.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I like the fact that he's got this, this power set. Like he mentions the exoskeleton that his predecessor made that like helps him stand toe to toe with like these, you know, super powered individuals. But then he's also got this ability to tap into uh, what is call it called? The Shadowverse, verse, mm. which um, that reminded me a lot of the Marvel character of uh, cloak. Where he's able to like you know bring himself into this like ultimate dark dimension. I was like that is really cool to like take a so well known archetype DC character like Batman, but then take this like obs- well it's not super obscure. I think he's become more and more well known in the in the recent years here. But to take this like lesser known Marvel character and to combine the two to like. I, that's just what I love about Invincible. Like, it knows yeah. exactly what it is, and it just relishes yeah. living in this world. Like, it's like it's homage, and it's also deconstruction of like mm-hmm. these superhero worlds that we love so much. Which I, I always like, I can't help but it's, it's interesting that, you know, both the boys and Invincible are both on Amazon because it really feels like Amazon has just kind of like carved out this niche for being like, yeah, yeah. you have got your superhero content, but this is where we're kind of like subverting the superhero content.
0: It's like we're going to take. Everything you like from Marvel and DC, obviously make it oh. into our own thing, and then make it as gory as possible. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> that's yeah. the prime formula.
1: <laughs> yeah, which you, you know, in terms of like having these comparisons to characters that we we know really well, I had this thought watching the episode. I, I know it's not the first time I've had the thought, but it really just kind of like stuck out to me. This episode is like Mark, like Invincible. Omni-Man like clearly a Superman allegory but in terms of Mark being like so relatable and being a teenager and like navigating the like minutia of everyday life I was like he really is like the best way I could describe him to somebody that has no idea what invincible is is like he's Superman and Spider-Man best parts of Superman best parts of Spider-Man mashed into one Yeah I can see that Yeah Uh what do you what do you think about uh this whole subplot with like you know Cecil and his assistant Donald and Debbie like recognizing that uh he died previously like they pointed it out they made like a point in the like previously on to reshow Nolan like grabbing his spine and like crushing his spine
0: Wait that who died previously?
1: Donald Ferguson I, I I'm not surprised that you don't recognize him by name but he's that government agent he's like cecil's lackey and he said something to cecil about like oh when debbie noticed me she seemed like you know distraught and cecil was like yeah she's she's a distraught woman that's who she is yeah any thoughts about like what his dealio is or
0: nothing yet
1: okay did you watch agents of shield
0: i was just i literally just (laughs) opened my mouth to make that um what was his name Patton oswalt Yes. Yes. Yeah. I can't There's remember the character's name.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his <laughs> yeah.
0: name either, but I was just like, wait a minute. He just, how does he, where did he, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's an interesting, yeah. That's, yeah. that's the approach I'm going with right okay, now. Okay. Yeah.
1: That's exactly where my mind went as well. So. <laughs> yeah. But you um, did
0: mention his mom. And I think that was my favorite thing about this episode was the parallels hmm. between how she's going through everyday life. I I think her story at all, like consistently has been my favorite now interesting Uh, weird that i'm like relating with the human when there's all this like super power stuff going on but i i just i think more content now is covering grief and anxiety and ptsd and the way that it's being portrayed has become more and more powerful Mm -hmm. within recent years because there's always the trope of like all right, we dealt with what we need to deal with, we're sad, but now we have to move on and prevail and blah, blah, blah. So I like that there's more content that's showing the aftermath of stuff. Sure. And the way that that his, that his Mark's mom has to deal with it, like she thought that she was just ready to go back to work and it's just selling houses, right? And that's, I'm a real estate photographer, it's coming from the deal with these people sure. all the time. So for her to have to <laughs> yeah. bite her tongue like that and not have to snap yeah. at this person and just... Like, I was mad for her the way that that client was like dealing with his wife. And oh. The fact that an animated show can make me feel this way is like, like all the hats off to all the writers. Get all the freaking money you deserve because you did a fantastic job with conveying this.
1: Yes, yes. And to your point, like, you mentioned like Debbie's story being the one that you find like the most like resonating, even in like light of all these superhero superheroics and. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a reason for that. I think it is really compelling. And like, I had the thought like multiple times in this episode, like that poor woman, like Uh that poor woman and the whole thing with like the cupboard not shutting all the way like that felt like, you know, um, I think in, you know, in lesser hands and, uh, played with less subtlety it would have been really on the nose but I really like the way they play and I remember having this thought like you know Mark got frustrated and like slammed it early on in the episode but when she has that absolute breakdown and just rips it off its hinges I, I had mm-hmm. that thought it was like it's not the the person with all the power that ripped this door off the hinges it's it's this woman this woman yeah. that is hurting so much and yeah I, I really felt with for her in that regard and like you know, she lost her husband already and she's like trying to cling on to her son and, uh, you know, she's really, really trying her best and wants to, you know, give him a break as much as herself. And uh, she base she constantly has to like backpedal to like, you know not lose him too, like that that moment when she says like nobody thinks you're going to turn out to be your father and he says then why would you say it and her her reaction like i'm so sorry i was like oh this this poor poor woman she shouldn't have to be apologizing right now yeah Uh,
0: it comes down to like the whole like put on your own mask before helping anybody else in a plane mm. like she hasn't been able to grieve and cope yet but she's trying to help somebody do that when she doesn't have the ability to do it herself and her son at that. So it's the pain of like seeing her try to do that when she can't take care of herself in the moment, she hasn't gone through the phases herself and like she's, we we talked about how she lost, she essentially lost her husband twice, right? Like she lost Nola and then she lost this person that she realized was, she was angry and sad. That's how red Russia's wife put it. So now she's like trying to hold on to her son, but she essentially just doesn't have the tools to do that. The emotional tools to do that right now, because she hasn't gone through the process herself. So for him to not know how to do it, because he feels like saving the world and working for the same organization and being overcautious is going to help him when it's not, she's trying to be a mother, but it's not helping. She's trying to go back to her work, but it's not helping. So it's like to find that avenue to actually proceed with the grieving process. again it's just so so well written i'm so fascinated with this character more than anybody else right now
1: no i I think yeah uh, it's for good reason it's for good reason and i'm glad um, a lot of times in shows like these the parents can kind of be relegated to these like i mean you look at adam eve and i still really love adam eve but her parents are like you know like paper thin her mom has a little bit more going on for her and I, i guess paper thin is a little harsh because like her dad does you know there's a little bit there in terms of like toxic masculinity and him like Mm -hmm. wanting to be the provider and you know, the fact that he is somewhat right in the fact that like her using her powers unchecked had consequences. But apart from that, you know, yeah, it's, it it sucks that it's coming from such like an oafish and belligerent kind of person, but he's, you know, he's he's not entirely wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, uh, I, you know, I, I am pretty positive on this episode and pretty positive on this show overall still. But I remember last season we talked about some of the, I, I guess for lack of a better way of describing this, some of the corners they cut with their animation. Like I remember referencing some like amorphous like CG blob renders in the background and stuff like that. I didn't pick up on that in this episode. But one thing I, I felt myself like noticing like, the show is visually interesting. And I think in its depiction of violence and emotion, it does a really good job, but there are these times of like the facial animations I noticed in this episode, I was like, uh, it feels like they're just like letting a face like sit static for too long until it has a reaction. It kind of feels like choppy to me. And I I was like, okay, I can feel where they're like, you know, saving a little bit of their budget here. But the other kind of critique I have here, and I don't know if, if it was as prominent last season or maybe I just didn't notice it as much, but In their depiction of, like, facial features, I felt like the lines for bags under people's eyes were really, really pronounced in this episode. And maybe that's, you know, showing the lack of sleep and the trauma that's occurred in the fallout of Omni-Man. Yeah. But I'm not sure, like, with Debbie especially, I was like, you're making this woman seem, like, way more old and beat up than she needs to with the way you're, like, doing these harsh lines underneath her eyes. Hers
0: was definitely very prominent.
1: Yeah, I noticed it with Invincible himself a couple times too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: everything you just said right now about just the the facial structures and things lining up in this and that is complaints that I've had with Mappa and Jujutsu Kaisen as well. Hmm. And I I hate to bring up this topic again, but it's like with everything that just ended with the writers' strike, like now you see the animators starting to speak up a little bit more, right? About like you know just what they're work environments are like and what they're dealing with and overworked and this and that. So it's one of those things where it's like Amazon's makes enough money and has had enough demand for the show that took two years to make a season two. Like there's, there's really no excuse, right? When it comes to whether it be treating the people right or going through the process, right. Or delivering the final product, right. Like I get that it's animation and everything that comes literally from scratch. But I, I hate that we're a show that defends animation because it has adult storytelling and it shouldn't be perceived as something for kids. But then the studios are neglecting the people who are making these stories. So little things like this happen. And if it's something we notice and how do we know it's not like other people aren't noticing it. That's triggering enough to just be like, yeah, I don't want to watch this. It seems lazy. So there's like yeah. this conundrum of like we're trying so hard to defend this medium but like what are the studios doing to help us out with that right now yeah yeah
1: it is it's uh, sad.
0: Yeah. It's, i just i just hate i hate being put in this predicament because we talk about this stuff because we love it and it makes us happy yeah so for yeah, us to uh, notice stuff like this is just you know it, yeah
1: and and that's the thing i noticed it but it didn't really like take me out of it like my attention never waned i was engaged with yeah. the story so in that sense like it again i like i describe it as a nitpick it's just for the sake of like yeah. having a conversation about like you know the episode as a whole yeah if i'm being 100 percent honest like i could i i think the show would benefit from a little bit of fine tuning with the animation mm-hmm. like everything else is just firing on such like you know cylinders that does stand out a little bit, like the voice yeah. acting and the voice talent is like off the charts. The character designs are great. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, with things feel a little stilted sometimes when you're yeah, like yeah. you know trying to use as little frames as possible, just like keep characters as static as long as possible. You you start to feel it. Mm-hmm. But
0: um, <laughs> I love Rexplode. But yeah, that situation right now. Dude, yeah, more, man. I was like, I... yo, and this fucking statue that he walks out with. He's like, this is none of your business. I'm like, oh, okay, get somebody. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. Rex uh, Rexplode is definitely—he feels like the punching bag for this season between last episode and it this looks episode. Like it too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's—he's he's really had nothing happen to him except for being told off or like put upon, and that—that that interaction with with duplicate was great. Um, because I, I understood where everybody was coming from, and like I, you know, I felt for everybody except for maybe Immortal. Immortal was the only one that kind of came across as smug, but in terms of like duplicate, it was like. Um, you start, you know, not to slut shame or anything like that, but it's like, okay, she went from Rex Blo to Immortals. She's like, you know, she's willing to like navigate and move around to whoever's going to benefit her the most. But to her point, hey, you went from Adam Eve straight to me. Like, why should you be surprised that I went straight from you to somebody else? Yeah. Like, you get what you get.
0: <laughs> yeah, he uh, he can be slut shamed too.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I uh
0: I really much about the the occurrences in Atlantis as well. I I love the way that played yeah. out, where Cecil was just kind of like, "Oh yeah, like it's just formalities and yada yada." I got to go deal with another thing, and he was like, "Um, you need to fix your intel. <laughs> this is what I was going for." And then, yeah, thought the creature was a little slime. We didn't put him in a chokehold. Was like well, I guess I won.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that coming from a mile away, but I will say instead of it being like the little like dangler in front of an anglerfish, I thought it was going to be like the tongue of some creature and he was going to be, you know, eaten and have to fight his way out. Uh, But you know
0: mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: didn't have, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I have any like super um, insightful like, you know, analysis of those scenes, but they were fun. From an animation perspective, I liked how they, added like the like you know kind of warping warbling effect to the animation to sell that underwater feel uh but apart from that i just kind of have to give uh some a shout out to tatiana maslany she hulk herself was the voice of Aquarius's uh widow the queen of atlantis and uh, yeah she was pretty much unrecognizable in that performance Yeah. yeah
0: yeah the the action was cool but the this was in a little synopsis too. The fact that the roar was so triggering to him and it's something that something oh, that's searching and breaking down. Yeah. And like, Ooh, when is this gonna come back?
1: That is super interesting. Yeah, because you Again, I haven't read the comics. Um but I have to imagine Cecil's gonna test whatever technology they base mm-hmm. based on this creature's like, you know, sonar on mark to make sure it'll work on Omni Man. Yeah. So that is just, you know, fraught with uh, dramatic tension and betrayal there. Um, and the other
0: like ties it in with Angstrom's research as well.
1: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, a small part of the episode, but one I definitely want to highlight in terms of like talking about the world building. Like you just mentioned Atlantis. It was nice to see more of that culture and how this depiction of Atlantis varies from other, you know, various depictions we've seen. But Midnight City, this just like, Random cursed city that just exists in a dome where it's constantly night, where we find Darkwing. Uh, that was just super cool to me. I was like, yes, I want to see more of stuff like this. Like, what is going on in this wacky world where, like I said, we have extraterrestrials, we have magic mm-hmm. users, we have technology-based villains. Like, I want to know what's going on with Midnight City. Like, spend an episode in Midnight City. I I dug that.
0: Yeah. All the skulls piled up on the light post. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what kind of mm-hmm. bit like you you would imagine there'd be like nightclubs and stuff that would essentially just go and try to set up business over there like I would hope so. I'm like I'm thinking of all the people that move out but all so, the people that yeah. stay like yeah. be, like
1: it's like much one man's time. curse is another man's treasure.
0: It's like Amsterdam 24/7. Yeah.
1: Ibiza, it's a party all the time. Yeah. But uh that does make me think of uh, something I mentioned earlier on in the episode is like, you know, there are a couple of characters from season one that I really like that we haven't had any kind of like update on. And again, it's only it's only episode two. So there's still plenty of time. But the first one that comes to mind is Damien Darkblood, the, you know, kind of Hellboy inspired detective from season one voiced by Clancy Brown. As soon as I saw Midnight City and the fact that it was cursed, I was like, are we going to see Damien Darkblood? And we didn't. And that's OK. But hopefully down the line.
0: Yeah, is this expected to be, what, eight episodes? Yes. Okay.
1: So I think we're supposed to get the first four. So we're actually like kind of like halfway through this f- first foray. And then the second half of season two should be coming in 2024.
0: Interesting.
1: Yes. Uh, but yeah, I think that's um, all that's really coming to mind for me for this episode. We didn't get any feedback this week, so... Uh, f- feedback was one of the best parts of covering season one, so definitely encourage you all out there if you're watching and enjoying Invincible season two like we are. Let us know what your thoughts are. You can send us a voicemail or a written email at animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail dot com. Anything else you want to say on this one, Zuhair?
0: No, I think that's it for my thoughts for this week. You know, just enjoying the show, great storytelling. I'm um, I'm ready for the next one.
1: Cool. All right. Anything we should let the people know about before we get out of here?
0: Uh, Fantasy Heroes is doing our Patreon episode tomorrow. Uh, so if you haven't signed up for Patreon, give us a check out over there. Uh, we're doing Miss Marvel and um Loki and I Am Groot, which dropped another season, which I need to watch tomorrow before recording. Um. So we're talking about those things and just, you know, the game for next year and stuff like that. Uh, the usual three two three with Reed Murphy. Our, mm-hmm. you know, weekly football picks and stories and highlights and all that fun stuff. And just always a good time.
1: Right on. Yeah. Check all that stuff out. As for me, you can always find me here at Animation Deliberation as well as Multiverse News. That is the show where we cover the latest and greatest in the world of blockbuster franchises and fandoms. So uh, please check us out over there. And uh, yeah, if you've stuck around up until this point, I will say uh, you know thanks for tuning in. That's T O N I N.
0: And as always, stay whelmed. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandapanda.com or join the great community that is the Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed.
1: Okay. If you stuck around this long, we talked about it at the top of the episode, let's give some the Marvel's reactions. so it was my, so
0: good, man. I had I was trying to temper my hopes for this one because of how much I love Miss Marvel. and mm-hmm. there I, this hit all the check marks that I wanted for this movie. I wanted a carol danvers story that just happened to have the other two in it. they gave me that i wanted good action they gave me that humor they gave me that and it was like appropriately placed humor which some of the other titles just haven't been able to do a lot lately uh the the villain was fine like i like the direction and everything of it i like the results of everything overall it was just it was one of those it it was a perfect mcu movie but it wasn't a mind-blowing one I enjoyed the hell out of it. I will watch it again, but it was no Infinity War, right? Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, so I is it, it was just it was so good that the two movies that we got in theaters this year were just so mind-blowingly good and just kind of gave us a good t- taste of like everything that we missed about the Infinity Saga.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I really thoroughly enjoyed the Marvels. I've seen it twice. And, uh, you know, we can justify talking about it because there was actually an animated sequence uh, very early on in the movie. I will say I wanted them to revisit that. I was like, you know, I, I really love the movie. But that's one thing I was like, oh, if we could have just got one more scene like showing yeah. Kamala's imagination and the animation, because I love the fact that they brought that through line forward. Uh, from miss marvel Mm -hmm. and if i remember correctly from that series i only watched it the one time through but i think again they used that in the first episode and never really revisited throughout the the rest of the season Uh, the plan oh okay they did okay they did once at the school yeah okay okay uh but no i i love that and actually really reminded me of uh the show central park i remember uh about a year ago we did an interview with uh i hate that i can't remember the the person's name that worked on central park but she we knew we had this interview with her so we all you know went about our separate ways to watch central park and one of my favorite things about that show central park was the was the character the young girl she had her you know her superhero character fist puffs and she had to have these like sequence sequences where she was in her room drawing and you got to see these action sequences play out in her mind and i was like totally transported. i was like oh like they're doing this almost exactly like out of that show and i love it Um, I echo your sentiments entirely in terms of like, uh, MCU entries. This is probably, you know, qualitatively like lands somewhere in solidly in the middle of the pack for me. It didn't blow my mind. It didn't, you know, uh, it's not groundbreaking. It's not, you know, pushing the envelope forward in terms of filmmaking, but in terms of an entertaining, story that continues the story of captain marvel that continues the story of monica rambeau from wandavision that continues the story of kamala khan it was great uh the villain was a little one one note, a little undercooked, but she served her purpose. She did what she was supposed to do. And I understood her motivations well enough. I got to see the Supreme Intelligence on the big screen, like forthright in all its glory, <laughs> even if it was only for a scene or for a second. You get more Goose and more of the, the flirkins. It was, you know, it was hilarious. Oh and God, the musical, the musical number, I love the musical number. It was so, so good. I didn't see that coming from a mile away. And I remember, Nia DaCosta, like, in the couple of months before this movie came out, she said, like, this is gonna distinguish itself because it's wacky, and I was like, oh, that doesn't sound that different, but to her point, the Marvels felt different and was wacky in its own yeah. way. Yes. Yeah.
0: It had, it's had its wacky moments, which was good. Like, it was just a perfect, ba- that's what, that's the, the thing about this movie that I will not stop saying, is that it was just perfectly balanced on everything, as all things mm. should. And mm. Secret that I'm a huge fan of Earth's Mightiest Heroes. It's where my Marvel knowledge comes from. It's like anytime there's a character that pops up, I always try to compare it to that show. So that was my my disappointment with the Captain Marvel movie was that it just didn't fit the high bar that I had for her because of the way that the show depicted it. Mm -hmm. But just like Thor to Infinity War, like they did Carol Danvers right in this one because Brie Larson is an incredible actress. I've been watching. a lesson in chemistry and she just blows yeah. my mind every episode with how amazing she is so the fact that they gave her more personality and just how much more she was able to play around with it and when she was funny when she needed to be she was city serious when she knew she was gritty when she needed to be the expressions and just how free-flowing everything was like it just it, it was just absolutely incredible i like it, it's the same with her to, to thor like there's like, when you have him so perfectly Infinity War, it makes you wonder, like, why wasn't he like that in the first one? Why was he so comedic in Love and Thunder? And I get people like it. Some people don't. I definitely did not. So, it's just like anything, any other time that you have Carol Danvers, refer to this. Refer to this director because she killed it. And there should be no other version of her than what we have here because it was perfect.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I like Captain Marvel. Uh, I do think the Marvels was a better movie for me than Captain Marvel. Uh, and I agree with everything you said about the characterizations of Carol Danvers. Uh, but I, I, you know, the whole time you were kind of talking, I kept like thinking about these moments in the movie. And like, uh, again, it kind of goes without saying, but like Amon Volani as Kamala Khan just like <laughs> captured so my heart and my imagination. She is so <sighs> Contagious with her enthusiasm, but I think about when they're in the, the spaceship flying into space, and she gets to see the stars, and it kind of reminds me of that scene with Captain America mm-hmm. in Endgame when he see the sees the stars like flash in his eyes. But well. her reaction instead is oh, like she's just like she's all excited. She's like yeah, 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 and then this happens. She's like oh, and I love the way she's just like, oh, she's so good, ah. Uh. It's and great. I know we saw it it's in great. the
0: trailer, but just like every time that she would, like when she was first like thrust it into that action sequence, she was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> it's <was> so, so horrible <laughs> to see how the big she yes. And then like whenever she's just like making faces at like Carol, it's just everything, just, just everything about her just so, how was this her first time acting? <laughs> mm,
1: hmm hmm Yeah, no, I think about the, um, the scene where they, sh- you know, they use the scroll device to like share memories and And uh, Monica has that really, really tough moment where she saw that Carol actually did go back and say goodbye to her mom. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kamala's reaction is to just like, I didn't know your mom, but she seemed really cool and just goes in and hugs her. Mm -hmm. And like, that's her nature. And Carol's just off to the side, like awkwardly. Like, I feel it too, but I don't know what to do. And Kamala's just like, get in here, you hug. And it's like, at first, Monica rebuffs it a little bit, but then she's like, this is nice thank you and i was just like yeah if i had Their to like it incaps- would have
0: been so much higher for so much longer if it wasn't for her being there in that moment like she's oh for sure together oh yeah yeah without a doubt
1: uh you know she's a flirking or two don't doesn't now. hurt either yeah
0: <laughs> and i like how because her and her mom have had so many different names as heroes like the whole thing was like we gotta workshop a name because us as fans are like oh yeah we know that there is a name is it photon is it this is it that and not only did we not get an answer but we had that mid credit scene where her mom is a hero and we yep. do get beast and this happens and that happens. i'm just like oh my god this is the marvel i've missed
1: <laughs> yeah when you said her mom my i i realized you're talking about maria rambo now but at first oh, i yeah, thought yeah. you were talking about kamala's mom and i was no. like oh yeah her mom because her mom i you know her mom is difficult and you know definitely presented a a little bit of an antagonist In the in the TV series, but Mm -hmm. she had some great lines in this one, like when (laughs) when (laughs) it's just Carol and Monica there, and Carol finds out that Monica got powers, and she's like, "Oh yeah," she's like, "When have you had? Since when have you had powers?" She's like, "Oh, you know, I walked through (laughs) a radiation field (laughs) caused by a a witch's hex, and now I can see all spectrums of light." And she's like, "I'm so happy for you." Where's my daughter? My (laughs) 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 daughter. Oh. so good. Like I know so all the
0: superhero good. stuff is regular for you guys, but where the fuck is my high school kid? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, and you, you mentioned uh Professor Marvel to tie it back into this episode of Invincible when Invincible faces off with Doc Seismic from season one. He's like, Oh, what was your name again? Was it Doc or Professor? And he's like, Doc, I never taught.
0: <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <Funny> <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, uh, uh, well, then like just some sort of religious stuff that they had in it too. Like Kamala saying bismillah before a fight and then mm. Amir on the escape pod and he was like Allahumma are you praying? Don't stop. Amen. <laughs> we need all the help we can get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just keeps going on with the prayer. Amen. Allahumma Amen. Allahumma Amen. Yeah. Yeah. had <laughs> dying. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. So I'm, I'm really high on this movie again. Like, uh, I, I don't think it, you know, uh, broke any new grounds creatively, uh, I will say from a filmmaking perspective. Sure. But, uh, if I, I think the, like the backlash that it's getting is, uh, you know, unfortunate, um, a, unfortunately like, you know, a, a, a combination side effect of, Uh, the general sentiment around the MCU right now that, you know, that variety article that came out recently doesn't help. But unfortunately also the first Captain Marvel faced a lot of uh, adversity in terms of like, Mm -hmm. you know, just like being against the movie for the wrong reasons. And I know this movie is facing that as well, but uh, if I did have to have it, just for the sake of a, you know, a, a criticism and a, and a conversation here um, one of the things about the movie that's not really a disservice to the movie itself, but I guess to the MCU is I was disappointed enough with secret invasion. As it was this movie only, I thought undermined secret invasion further. It was like, I think we had one throwaway line about like, uh, I think somebody said like we could have traders on board and Nick was like, uh, or Nick Fury was like, Hey, let's not, let's not go immediately there. And I was like, okay, that's a reference to secret invasion. But beyond that, the fact that there were scrolls, um, elsewhere other than earth that there were scroll colonies i felt like that was kind of a contradiction with some of the things we learned yeah. in secret invasion if i'm not mistaken
0: it makes uh, you wonder timeline wise if the marvels was supposed to be before secret invasion oh yeah maybe if like all this stuff happened oh. while he was on Saber and then got summoned back to earth
1: Right. Actually, you bringing that up brings up my other point, and that it may, my point may be refuted if it does take place before. But the fact that Valkyrie, and we didn't even talk about the Valkyrie cameo, which I was super glad that wasn't spoiled for me. I actually had none of the in movie cameos spoiled for me. I didn't know about Kate Bishop. I didn't know about Valkyrie, but unfortunately, I did have uh, uh, Beast, eh, not Binary, but Beast was spoiled for me. Uh, but no, all that being said, the fact that, uh, yeah, Valkyrie was bringing the scrolls back to Earth, and it was like the president just said all extraterrestrials are like mm. you know outlawed. <laughs>
0: yeah, this, seem like the this best makes place me to hope bring... that secret invasion came after.
1: Right, 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 right. Because
0: yeah. we you know there was a lot of delays with movies and stuff, so it's just a matter of like which one was supposed to come first.
1: Yeah, because I, I think this movie originally was actually supposed to come out before Quantum Mania, and this movie in quantum mania switch dates when they realized that quantum mania was like further along in, in development. But... Yeah.
0: Um. Originally I brought up earth's mightiest heroes is because the accusers were such a big part of that and why it was so excited to see Ronan. Mm. And while I feel like Ronan didn't get the stage he deserved, they did a better job with the accusers in this one, because the whole purpose of the accusers was to determine whether a planet falls under the empire or right. if they get destroyed. And that's essentially mm-hmm. what she was doing. She was like, all right, you have resources to make Hala better. Fuck this place entirely. And even with the conversation with the skull, she was like, all right, it's settled. You guys will be part of the empire. So the fact that that dialogue correlates with what I enjoyed about their roles in Earth's Mightiest heroes was pretty awesome. And also what the yeah. scrolls, like, the scrolls in that, you know, again, Secret Invasion kind of helped with this, was that, like, they weren't good guys, right? It was mm-hmm. the scrolls versus the Kree, and there were Kree who didn't like the Empire stuff, and there were scrolls who were basically refugees to war. So, yeah. I like that we're seeing both sides of it from both parts. Like, we haven't seen too much of, like, the good guy Kree. Uh, there was air quotes for the people listening, obviously. Right, um, right. But the fact that we got to see, like, the bad guys in scroll and understand like why this war was actually going on because they were those like the warrior scrolls. And they were the ones who were like fighting back the Kree because there was territory battles on both ends. It just seems like in this universe, it's the Kree that's prevailing.
1: Yeah. And thinking of the comics and, you know, you referencing uh, earth mightiest earth's mightiest heroes and stuff like that. uh, From my understanding, the Kree and the scroll have kind of like switched roles in the semantic universe. Whereas like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, both sides have their like heroic and unsavory sides, but typically in the comics, we spent more time with the heroic Cree and yeah. you know the villainous ones were more few and far between. Whereas the scrolls, by and large, were more villainous. Yeah, uh, and it's the exact opposite in our in our cinematic universe here.
0: Yeah, because Marvel was a was a Cree who was disguised as a scientist on Earth, and he right. was working with Carol Danvers, and he just loved Earth and loved human culture and wanted to be. A scientist and work with carol and yada yada and she, danvers got her powers because of an accident in the lab that fused with his powers and she named herself after him and it was like mm-hmm. all that wild stuff
1: yeah which is interesting because i i don't think she's even i think she made even a, a point of like referencing the line like she never calls herself captain marvel mm-hmm. yeah interesting thing but yeah uh you know yeah Did this depiction hasn't moved entirely away girl? from that What's that?
0: Did you say Aunt Carol?
1: Oh, right. (laughs) That's supposed to be top secret. I said Carol got her powers from light is what I said. (laughs) Uh, Anyway.
0: God, her show on Kate and Nick Fury fashion was just so perfect. I was losing it.
1: Yeah, it was great.
0: I've got your intel. told. <laughs> and she even says, You're like, if this is toxic information, why can you see it from the other side? I'm like, thank yeah. you just like how yeah. we always address the cap and sunglasses thing. They <laughs> mm-hmm. brought up the tablet thing, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Got I, a love
0: lot. It. I love this movie so much.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All righty. Well, uh, thanks for sticking around and hearing our thoughts on the Marvels. Let's uh, get on out of here.
0: Bye.